Today on the Zabecast, suddenly a buck season that was on cruise control has hit turbulence. Not just a loss to the Lakers, but a loss to the Suns and a terrifying close call on the freak's left knee. NFL players are voting on their future the next 10 years and wait until you hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say about it. All that plus what do you consider the first day of spring? Your bonus, 30 minutes of me, is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, March 9, 2020. Thank you for downloading Let's Get Right to It. Friday night, I'm watching Lakers Bucks and Giannis goes down and goes down hard. He grabs his left knee while on his back and I say to myself, oh my God, the season just ended. Season ended, the dream ended. The hopes of Milwaukee having a championship parade thrown in a complete disarray in the blink of an eye. And of course, I wasn't the only one that thought that. What's interesting, although sad, is that the announcers, supposedly the best announced team in basketball, and I know I've said that this Breen, Van Gundy, Jackson trio is the best. I've got to revisit that in a second. They too seemingly were like, Oh, yeah, is that a problem that he's down? More on that in just a second. Here's the update. Giannis got a preliminary, not a preliminary, a precautionary MRI? Or maybe it was a necessary MRI, whatever. MRI reveals joint capsule sprain in left knee for Giannis, and they don't believe it will prevent him from missing significant a significant amount of time. Uh, how much time that is, who knows? He missed the game against the Suns on Sunday night, and they did get drilled. Let me make sure that that is now a final. I'm recording this as that game is going final as we speak. They were up uh, pretty big late, but you never know. Don't worry about me. Yeah, 141-31. Well, that's that's not a bad effort by the Bucs. 131 points without Giannis. Anyway, I digress. So he's he's he missed obviously the Suns game. He will miss the final game of their West Coast swing in Denver. His status against the Celtics at Fiserv this Thursday will be updated later in the week. Whoa. Minor joint capsule sprain, whatever the hell that is. I did go check with Pro Football Doc. Dr. David Chow, because he does more than just football injuries now that football season's over. And he didn't sound too alarmed, but didn't give a full breakdown of what the injury actually was. Wow. Now to the announcers. I I would have played a highlight of this near horrific moment in Milwaukee sports history, except there was no good highlight of, oh, and Giannis is down. None of that. Here is what it sounded like on the broadcast on Friday night with the supposed best team in the NBA. So now they're saying no good on the basket. Because it is. To me, this it should not be an N1. No, not at all. So now they're saying no good on the basket. But I love how hard Avery Bradley's playing today. Really? 
That's the most important thing. Giannis Attentacumpo, the MVP of the league, is on the ground grabbing his knee. And Van Gundy, all you can think about is, oh, I love how hard Avery Bradley's playing tonight. Wake up. I'm glad I was not the only one that noticed this. This is one of the nice things about Twitter. You get affirmation of, hey, am I the only one thinking this? Oh, no. No, I see other people are thinking the exact same thing. Mike at Bruce City MD said Mark Jackson is – oh, this is a different one. Uh, Eric Neem, who writes for The Athletic, uh, The Athletic Wisconsin, says, when writing about the spill Giannis took last night, I was only watching replays. I was not listening. I just listened to the broadcast. What were Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy talking about? The league's reigning MVP takes a gruesome spill, and they're just talking about challenges. Yeah, that 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 was it. I played it for you right there. Meanwhile, get a load of these. Uh, Mike, Bruce City MD, says Mark Jackson is questioning whether Chris Middleton has a mid-range game. Mark Jackson is now admitting on national television by saying that, that he is wholly unfamiliar with a two-time All-Star on the best team in basketball. Yeah, not only does his name sound like mid-range, He's all mid-range, bro. Do you even watch this league? Matt Velazquez, who covers the Bucks for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, said the following about someone who tweeted about Jackson. Jackson just called Brooke Lopez the worst defender in the Bucks starting lineup. What? NBA announcing is just a nuclear wasteland, said the tweet. Matt Velazquez followed with, that's the dumbest thing I've heard in a long time. I mean, I'm going to have to rethink this supposed best team. I like Breen. Bang! 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 And I like the sort of snippiness and the edginess of Van Gundy and Jackson, but this shook me, this performance. And I know that it's common for Bucks fans and Wisconsinites to say, we're still being overlooked here. We're still being overlooked. And I get it. But that was a reaffirming moment where they didn't seem to care. If LeBron went down and grabbed his left knee, which he probably would do while flopping after somebody touched his chinny-chin-chin with a single pinky finger, they would have instantly gone into gasp mode. (gasps) Oh, my God. Anyway, let's hope Giannis gets better. And they lost the game fair and square. Injury not aside, uh, or not aside, injury aside, they lost the game. Uh, the Lakers came prepared and they took it to them. It does remind me that absent a injury to the Brow or LeBron, uh, beating them four out of seven in June is going to be a bitch. And a season that was not just on cruise control, but was on snooze control with the Bucks is now suddenly uncomfortably interesting. In other NBA stuff, apparently Draymond Green has had enough of Charles Barkley's yapping. Here's what Draymond Green had to say about Barkley, which will no doubt be ferried right back to Sir Charles on TNT on Thursday night, and they are going to have a field day with it. You do not want to get into a shit-talking contest with Barkley about basketball because even though Draymond can pull out the, hey, no rings for Barkley, more on that in a second, even though they can, you can pull that out, you're not going to win that battle. 
All Barkley has is all night, every night he's on TV to to make you look stupid, Draymond. Obviously, guys like Barkley, but beyond that. No, Barkley should stop before I go take his job, though. Oh! So I can do that well, too. He already didn't make enough money playing, so he need that job. He should stop talking to me. I like to, you know. He could have said, isn't he the guy that didn't pay his gambling debts and they had to come out? Oh, yeah, that was him. Tendency to end people. So a tendency to end people. Oh, ooh, Draymond. He should stop before I take his job. Not soon, though. If he keep talking, uh, you know, I'll take it soon. Sooner than he thinks. <laughs> so when are you going to take his job? You're still playing. You're still way overpaid. But when are you going to take that? Maybe soon. We'll see if he keeps talking. So yeah, he probably should be quiet. He also can't talk basketball with me either. Yeah. Not smart enough, not qualified. No rings, can't sit at this table. Are you good? Okay. Okay, then. Great tweet from Pablo Torre of the soon-to-be-canceled High Noon. He tweets, Charles Barkley's career is a profound human lesson. He never won any rings, but I'm always struck by how much happier he is than pretty much all of the guys who did win rings. Amen to that. Barkley knows he was a great player, but he's not hung up on it. Draymond is the closest sort of version of Barkley that has come along in a long while. Kind of a five-tool guy on the basketball court with some skills. It's tough. Rebounds like a junkyard dog. But he Draymond can't... Draymond is a cheap handbag knockoff of what Barkley was. Barkley was absolutely one of my favorite players to watch back in the day. And no, he never won a championship. He had the misfortune of meeting a guy you might have heard of in the finals called Michael Jordan. Somebody also pointed out that if uh, if uh, Charles Barkley had Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant around him, he would have won a, a gazillion rings. So stuff it, Draymond. Well, it wouldn't be a podcast without your coronavirus update. Remain calm. All is well. I'm not going to do what you all think I'm going to do, which is just flip out. All right. <laughs> it's interesting. The thing about the H1N1 swine flu pandemic of 2009, the most interesting thing for me is I don't remember any of it. And it was a son of a bitch. Unless somebody hacked the Wikipedia page and made a bunch of shit up. I was reading about it Friday night going, God, why wasn't, why don't I remember any of this? Of course, I forget a lot of things. And I'm self-absorbed. And all I care about is, uh, you know, are the golf courses open? It was there was closures back in 2009, but I I started digging in, thinking, all right, let me let me get to the bottom of why this is different. First of all, a couple things. Ellie, Elon Musk says on Twitter, the coronavirus panic is dumb. Okay, thank you, Elon. You can probably afford to just rocket yourself to outer space if it gets real bad. We can't, but whatever. The NHL is closing dressing rooms to the media on the recommendation of the Centers for Disease Control. I want to know, 
did they really recommend that? Or did the NHL say, hey, we're thinking about doing this token thing that will protect, oh, a tiny sliver of people. We're not going to cancel games. We're not going to kick fans out of the arenas. No, no, we're just going to close the locker rooms. Is that a good idea? And the CDC is like, oh, yeah, good idea. That's our recommendation. Uh, Apparently, one hockey reporter said the NBA, Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer are expected to follow. As of Sunday night, nobody had followed on that just yet. Then there became a debate about whether this was really necessary going into the locker room or not. Costco has gotten rid of, for the moment, their giveaways, their free food snackables because of coronavirus. They won't say so, but, I mean, seriously, what else could it be? Maybe it's because they're swamped. They've got so many customers coming in. There's lines outside the doors of Costco's on the West Coast. It's crazy. Uh, There was a uh, post on Barstool. I forgot who did it. It was some one-name guy. He said, what the fuck is this, Costco? I don't pay good money for my membership just for excellent prices on bulk items and for feeling cool when I flash my ID card like I'm entering the VIP section of a club. I do it for the gaggle of free samples that somehow always taste gourmet, even if they're being cooked in a microwave or on a random George Foreman grill. How am I supposed to know if I want to buy 100 taquitos if I can't try a sliver of one first? Okay, bad example. I always want to buy 100 taquitos. He goes on to say uh, (laughs) that eating those samples at Costco is as much of the Costco experience as battling for parking spots and judging other people for what comically oversized products they have in their cart. (laughs) Hit it. Nail on the head. I rarely go into Costco these days. I used to go a lot, like a lot of suburban dads do. And I'm glad I don't go in there. I'm not, that's not a humble, but it's not some kind of flex. Like I'm better than Costco. I just, I hate myself going in there and I hate the people that are in there, but they're good people. They're my neighbors, right? Hate them. Also, (laughs) LA Marathon, the LA Marathon went on this weekend. Apparently LA Marathon runners have been advised not to get, get within six feet of one another. Popular mechanics actually did the math on whether that's even possible. And surprise, spoiler alert, as my friend Pam Schwatkin said on Twitter, narrator, it's not possible. Can you stay six feet away from me at all times? Thank you. So my conclusion from the weekend is that three things that we know cause coronavirus are hockey interviews, Costco samples, and marathons. But on a serious front, what was the difference between the H1N1 flu and the coronavirus? Well, the H1N1 flu or the swine flu was spring of 2009 to spring of 2010. And get this, the CDC estimates, and I put that in quotes because I don't think they have a hard count. They didn't test everyone for this, but they estimate that the swine flu, which originated in Mexico and came from, yeah, pigs, affected 59 million Americans. 
265,000 were hospitalized. 12,000 died. This is over a course of about a year from spring of 09 to spring of 2010 was when this outbreak, or I guess it was declared officially a pandemic. And I'm thinking, holy crap, can you imagine? Imagine if we had a hundred people die from the coronavirus in America this month, and maybe we will. And then 200, and then 400, you know, each month, double, double, double. Do you know how long it'll still take to get to 12,000? And so why don't I remember the same level of media coverage and panic and Costco, you know, bulk run buying as it happened in 2000? What, what's the difference is what I'm trying to figure out. We're living in a different day and age for sure. But it's still post 9-11 for both 2009-2020. Twitter had just begun. I think Twitter started 2006-2007. I think a lot of people are getting ginned up. Not everyone's on Twitter. A small minority is. But you, you, you get this bombarding. Maybe because the coronavirus has only affected at this count as of Friday, Sunday night, I want to say 423 people in America. Or at least that's all we know who've been tested with 19 deaths. Because the number is so small, it's easy for the media to report upon, oh, and another person died. Oh, and this state got their first case. And there's two more over here and five here. I mean, these are all just little tiny pinpricks on the large body that is 330 million Americans strong. So you can report on it if we were ramped up to the point where it's a thousand here, a thousand there, and and we go thirty days with a thousand new cases a day. Let's see my math, and it's not Brian Williams' math. Thousand times thirty, thirty thousand. Imagine a thousand new cases a day for thirty days. We're up to thirty thousand cases. Yeah, keep going because fifty nine million Americans got hit with the swine flu, and twelve thousand died. It's totally different now. I had to dig on this to, to read about this, but basically from what I understand, and I am certainly no uh, pandemic expert or conf- in, infectious diseases doctor, new viruses are very rare. And so the coronavirus, the novel, i.e. new coronavirus, because it's new, it's rare. We don't get them. We don't get new ones. We kind of know the ones that are out there. That's always something that scares the shit out of the, you know, the virus people because they don't know how it's going to react. They don't know how it's going to transmit. They don't know how deadly it's going to be. They don't know how it's going to mutate. They don't have a vaccine for it. The swine flu was new and different, but it was a strain in the family of influenza uh, viruses. And so therefore we had some sort of tangential immunity to it, but not a specific vaccine. It took them I forget how long it took him like six months to kind of ramp up a vaccine for it. The swine flu. And it's going to take at least a year, maybe a year and a half for a coronavirus vaccine, but they'll, they'll probably get it. And plus we don't, we have no immunity to the coronavirus. So because it's new, they don't know how it's going to react. There's no herd immunity. They're kind of freaked out. Like this thing could explode. Plus the early numbers in China did explode. So there was this real concern, like, holy shit, this thing's exploding, and the death rate is high. It's like 
But that was early in the game. Like I said before, it's like a game that's 10-2 to 2 in the first three minutes of a basketball game. You can't necessarily extrapolate that. Now we're seeing more and more cases that they're finding in the number the, the mortality rate is coming down. Now, this thing is a bitch for older people, and all four of my parents are alive and doing fine, although they're slowing down, but that's all right. It's because they're living a nice, long retirement, and I love that about them. You know, that's obviously a concern for me because this hits the elderly very seriously. Luckily, and this is crazy, the saving grace for the coronavirus is that it doesn't seem to impact the young at all. The mortality rate of those under 10 is almost nothing, which, thank God. Also, the 1918 Spanish flu is another one people talk about, and that was a son of a bitch. But a lot of the deaths in 1918 were due to bacterial infections, and that was a pre-antibiotic era. Also, there were schools closed in 2009. I don't really remember that. I don't think my kid's school was closed They said about 300 schools were closed uh, across the country. It's just a different time, and this is a different thing. And let's hope that this thing is, you know, we're going to get our arms around it. I mean, there's no way we're going to contain it. It's here. It's going to be here. It's going to spread. People are going to get it. There's probably going to be a dip in the summer and a second wave next fall. And if you're old and you have got underlying conditions, look out. This, This thing can kill you. But just the sort of the the knee-jerk cancellations. Notice this, and here's another thing that I can't get over. Watch the politicians. Have, Have Bernie or Biden stopped campaigning because it's too dangerous? Nope. They're out there still pressing the flesh in a bunch of crowds, handshake line, you name it. The pro leagues where they take the money and the semi pro leagues like Division I basketball, are they kicking the fans out? Nope. They're like, yeah, we need to be cautious about this, but shit, we're not refunding anybody's money. That's for damn sure. And Costco's are still out of toilet paper, water, and hand sanitizer. So have a good day on that front. The NFL players have been given their copy of the proposed CBA to look at, read over, and then cast their vote, yay or nay. I don't know exactly when the deadline is to cast that vote. I think it's this week because the new league year is going to start and it's expected to be close, but who knows really? Aaron Rodgers went on radio with Wilde and Tausch on ESPN, Wisconsin, Matthew Schneiderman, Schneidman, not Schneiderman, Schneidman of the athletic chronicled what Rodgers said in a wide ranging and lengthy discussion with his former teammate and Jason Wildey. And what he said got my eyeballs bugged out just a bit. First of all, if approved, the deal would run for 10 years. And Rodgers, by the way, is the Packers player representative, and he is a prominent voice in the NFL. And he has spent a decent amount of time looking at this CBA and giving his thoughts. He apparently said, well, not apparently, he did say, quote, I sent out a large email to players, about 73 guys. How many responses do you think you're getting back on this 2,000-word email that goes out? You'd be disappointed to hear the actual answer, said Rogers. 
That's the problem. I think we just haven't had a chance to look at this critically, and it's kind of been pushed through, pushed through, pushed through, pushed through, and it's bullet point highlights and quotations with the deal like, well, no, that's not the whole deal, and also understand what you're signing and what this means for the future of the game. I'd like to hit the pause button, said Rogers, but I'm not sure that's even going to be a possibility. We'll find out in a few days if this goes through or not. Here's the key pull quote, and I highlighted this and tweeted it. Rogers said his email to the team got, quote, next to no responses. Oof. Some people on Twitter took the occasion to bash Rogers. See, I told you nobody likes him. Okay. They elected him as their CBA representative, so there's got to be something to that. Said Rogers, that's probably the most disheartening thing this in this society we live in now that we get so distracted by the swiping world of apps and social media. I don't know. Do guys care about this stuff? Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it for the whole, for the people wanting to push this deal through so badly, that's kind of a win because nobody's critically looking at this or thinking about it. Okay. Boomer. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say that <laughs> Rogers is way younger than me. I can't say that. He's not wrong. But maybe his own 2,000-word email should have been boiled down into bullet points like, this is bad, that's bad, this is bad, wake up, vote no. 2,000 words? Ain't ain't nobody got time for that. The latest on Sunday was rumors were pushed out from sources, sources, quotes, that some owners were rooting for the CBA to fail, to get voted down by the players because they could then go ahead and implement an 18-game schedule, which is what they really want, not 17. And they could then give a cruddier deal the next time around, about this time next year to the players. Many people quickly seized on the, hmm, that's interesting timing, isn't it? That doesn't sound like a leaked threat to try to get the players to go, oh, oh my God, I got, I better sign this. Like the Darth Vader line in Star Wars, I've altered the deal. Pray that I don't alter it further. We'll see. It's going to be a pivotal couple days here, and it will determine a lot of things. Determine where some quarterbacks end up. It'll determine the contracts in the NFL with their TV partners to come. If they don't get a deal, they've got to negotiate new TV deals without the backdrop of labor peace, which could affect them. Something says, if it doesn't get done, it will get done, and the money's going to keep on rolling in. All right, we had some good sound from the weekend. I'm going to fire off a couple in no particular order. LeBron James was asked, so what would you think if the NBA played games without fans? And here was LeBron's answer. LeBron, apparently the possibility has arisen of playing playing NBA games without fans in the arena just to be safe because of coronavirus. Have you thought about what that might be like? Who? hmm? Who? Who what? Who what? Who? We play games without the fans? Yeah. No, it's impossible. I ain't playing. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't got the fans in the crowd. That's what I play for. I play for my teammates. I play for the fans. That's what it's all about. So if I show up to an arena and ain't no fans in there, I ain't playing, so they can do what they want to do. Thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. 
I ain't never played the game without no fans. Ever since I started playing ball. They tried to do it in Europe or soccer. No, I don't give a like, damn. This ain't, this ain't Europe. Or like riots and stuff sometimes. Man, I don't give a damn. They, they can do what they want to do. <sighs> LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. The same guy who was steadfastly over the entirety of his brilliant and possibly greatest ever career has not once been in the dunk contest because he's afraid of losing it. That's how much he cares about the fans. Seriously, I can't. You could roll my eyes back in my head like a slot machine, and it would still not be enough after that. Archie Miller was not happy after losing to the Badgers, who, oh, just won the Big Ten championship. I don't know if you're aware of that. Season was on the brink. Middle of the year, they were 6-6 six and six in league, 13-13. and 13. They lose a kid, Kobe King, to transfer. He went to Nebraska. He's going to Nebraska, poor guy. He chose that himself, too. <laughs> Nebraska basketball. And um, they endured, you know, all kinds of hardship this year, and they won the Big Ten championship by beating Indiana at Indiana on Saturday. And after the game, somebody had the nerve to ask Archie Miller, do you think you're worried about getting in the tournament? You know, if you watch Sesame Street and you listen to all the characters on Sesame Street talk and everyone gets all under, oh, it's like if you watch Sesame Street and you listen to the guys on Sesame Street, it's a children's show. Every bracketology is a children's show. Bottom line with our resume is it's strength of record, and that's undeniable. It's a top 25 strength of record. If you don't put in a top 25 strength of record team with the wins that we have, you know, somebody's going to have to answer some questions. But when you start to go through the bracketology and you listen to the Sesame Street cartoon guys on TV who need people to click and do all this stuff, the bottom line is strength of record. Who'd you play? Who'd you beat? And if you look at our wins, there's very few teams in the country that can say that they've beaten the Florida States, the Michigan States, the Ohio States, the Iowas, the Penn States, who clearly are in the field. So if you're beating six, seven teams in the field, you should be in the field. Now, everyone's going to say you don't have a 500 record in the league. They've already stated that the 500 record in the league doesn't matter. It's your body of work. If you have a strength of record of top 25, you know, you played a good schedule and you beat good teams, you should be in the tournament. All right, Coach. Thank you. Thank you. Now, it gets better after this, but I just have to interject. The thought crossed my mind that an all-Sesame Street bracketology show would be amazing. Awesome. <laughs> Elmo, what do you think? Cookie Monster, what do you think? <laughs> Ernie, Bert, what do you think? <laughs> you're like, do the voice. I can't do any of the voices. Scott does Elmo. Oh, Cookie. Oh, Cookie. Bradley, tough out. Oh, ah, don't want to play them. <laughs> but Archie Miller was not done. These coaches get so testy. When they're on the bubble, they think that arguing their case on television will help nudge them in. And they may not be wrong because the committee still is made out of human beings, not robots, and they are influenceable. Here's what he had to say about Joe Lenardi, a Muppet in Archie Miller's mind. I don't know if that answered it. That was a lot. But I needed to get some. I needed to get something out. You know, when I was in Atlantic Ten, Joe Lenardi was my best friend. He used to help me all the time. When I went to Indiana, he needed to crap on Indiana the other day just so people would watch Sesame Street. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Easy there, tough guy, Archie Miller. I think Indiana should be in, but I'd say they're on the bubble, honestly speaking. Greg Gard addressing the team afterwards, and he should be Big Ten Coach of the Year. If he's not, it's a crime and a shame and a joke and a travesty. In fact, I would say it is a trav, a sham mockery. Why don't I have that? God dang it. For years, I swear I've had Travis Mockery on my machine here. It's not on there. Anyway, here was Greg Gard afterwards talking to the boys. Adversity. And it obviously started back in May. Yes, sir. That was more adversity. I, I felt if we could get through that, there was nothing we were going to see in the season. It didn't matter. That was real-life adversity. And it's ironic He writes down the final score, 60-56, to 56, a four-point win, four more, meaning four so proud of you Howard guys. Moore, their assistant so coach. Love you, coach. Yes, sir. you guys are awesome. Great job, guys. Family. Family on three. One, two, three. Oh, man, I will never get tired of those moments. Howard Moore, the assistant coach who had – almost his entire family wiped out in a horrific car crash last May. He survived, but is still not right and has not really returned since then. Uh, Guard did say he would take the trophy back to uh, Coach Moore so he could rub it for the kind of finish that the Badgers put on to end the season. Great story there. In golf, Terrell Hatton won at Arnie's place In brutal conditions this weekend, scores were amazingly high. In fact, Saturday they were so tough that nobody scored in the 60s, and it's been a long time since I think there's been a PGA Tour event in which nobody broke 70 on a given particular day, especially for a non-major. But Rory McIlroy was in contention. He did not win. Rory Rory McIlroy is still my favorite player for reasons like this. He talked candidly about why he did not support this new premier golf league that is really just vaporware right now. It doesn't exist. But he's pretty strong in saying, you know what? No. I want no part of it. And he is the world's number one. And God, I love this Irish lad. He is just so normal and honest and comfortable with himself. And he doesn't care if he ruffles feathers. By the way, I loved it when he turned down the Olympics. At the time, the Zika virus was all the sexy rage back then, and the golf course was new and uninspiring, and the uh, actual competition was still kind of, hmm, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not going to go. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. He didn't care. And he got blasted for it by some in the golf media. I loved Rory for it. Doesn't have to go to that if he doesn't want to. And it avoided the controversy of, ooh, what flag is he going to be playing under because of the whole Ireland, Northern Ireland, UK nonsense, which I don't know the difference. I don't know how that works. I just know that there was an issue about who will he play for or what flag will he play underneath. Here was Rory on this new Premier Golf League. I'd like to think I'm quite a loyal person, and um, I think the PGA Tour has given me a a platform to showcase my skills, to build my brand, to turn me into this um, golfer and athlete that I am, and I think Jay Monaghan and his team do a wonderful wonderful job at the Tour. Um, And look, I, you know, 
the reason I said what I said is because um, it was, we, we were in Mexico a couple of weeks ago and, and some, some people decided not to go. But that was their choice. That was, that was the freedom that they had. They have autonomy over their schedule and they can pick and choose where they, when and where they want to play. Where if we go to this new league, that's not going to be the case. You're going to be contracted to play 18 events. They're going to tell you where, where and when uh, you should be there. And as a golfer and an independent contractor, I didn't like the sound of that. Didn't really like where the money was coming from either. Ooh. And uh, I'm, you know, I wanted to, to be the first one to, to speak out against it. And um, I'm, I'm glad that I have. I'm glad that I've done that. I wasn't happy about where the money was coming from. Translation, Saudi Arabia. Even though the Premier Golf League, one of their founders, claims there's 60 different sources of funding for this contracted prize money and this guarantee of prize money they're going to give to the top 40 players to start this league if it ever, if it ever happens, and I don't think it will, a, bulk, a huge bulk of it was from Saudi Arabia and the government because they wanted to continue to kind of sport wash themselves. Rory also turned down a chance to play in Saudi uh, for a huge appearance fee. So he's actually putting his principal ahead of his bank account. Now his bank account's pretty thick anyway, so he can afford to do that. But the point is he is doing it. How can you not love this guy? And how can you not love that Irish accent? Rory's my man. Finally, there's this. I don't know if it's new. It doesn't look new. It looks old, but it's new to me. It's one of those viral clips that uh, you know Rex Chapman keeps digging up and putting out there on the internet, and people keep retweeting it, put it on my timeline. This, kids, is a lesson for all you aspiring news anchors that once you're done with the introduction, good evening, everybody, and if there's somebody who is out on assignment or sick or on vacation pause before you go into a salacious lead about your top story. Good evening, I'm Ken Bastida. Dana is off tonight. He was murdered and then set on fire while celebrating his birthday. What the hell did you just say? (laughs) What happened to Dana? Let me hear that one more time. Good evening, I'm Ken Bastida. Dana is off tonight. He was murdered and then set on fire while celebrating his birthday. <laughs> now, obviously it wasn't his colleague Dana who was set on fire and murdered while celebrating his birthday, but some poor bastard was. He just needed an extra beat or two of pause before going into that story. All right, what is the first day of spring in your mind? meteorological spring is March 1st. The weather people chop up the four seasons very evenly and sensibly. March 1, March, April, May, spring. June, July, August, summer. September, October, November, fall, December, January, February, winter. Good job, man. All right, thank you. Nailed it. Astrological first day of spring is March 19th. That is the equinox or the so-called vernal equinox. I asked the question on Twitter Friday. I go, what is the first day of spring? It could be daylight savings day time, which we sprung forward on Sunday. And I got to tell you, it was the easiest thing in the world. I'm not going to, 
everyone who complains about it, oh, I hate it. Well, my clocks, it's so stupid. We should just go to one time. I'm not having that argument this year. I'm done. Daylight savings time makes perfect sense to me. It's easy to cope with. Bink, put all the clocks. I put all three clocks that don't change themselves in my house. An hour ahead before going to bed on Saturday night, it was not hard. I got in my car Sunday. I realized, oh, this one's still an hour behind. And boom, now you're up to date. What's the problem? First day of spring, what is it? Is it the first hot car? Is it the first day you leave work early because it's too damn nice? Is it the first outdoor lunch or outdoor cocktail that you have? Is it opening day in baseball? Is it the Masters that's the first day, unofficial to you, first day of spring? Is it the first shorts day? That was what won my poll on Friday, the first day you wear shorts all day. Is it the opening weekend in the NCAA? Other people suggested the following. It's the first day there's yellow pollen dots on my car. That's the first day of spring. Someone else said the first day you can go with your windows down at highway speeds. That's the first day of spring. Someone else said the first day that you actually flip your home heating to air conditioning. Boom, it's officially spring. And somebody else said whenever Home Depot or Lowe's starts running the ads for Scott's Turf Builder, boom, there's your first day of spring. That's a wrap for today. Thank you for downloading and listening. Remember to download the Zabecast app. It is absolutely free. Subscribe to Friday's edition. It's not free, but it's super cheap, about 1.8 cents a day, and it helps keep me motivated and greedy because we all know money makes the world go round. Rate and review so our algorithmic overlords bless our crops in this podcast and tell a couple friends who likes good stuff in their ears. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time.